Let's read the text this morning and uh, get started. So Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, the teacher of the law asked him, Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, that is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to the man, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. This morning, I want us to just kind of walk through this verse by verse. I think God just has been stirring my heart and I think he has some, some words for us this morning as his people, as his children. And so uh, starting in verse 28, I really want to invite you to listen, to pay attention, to be here this morning, to be present. One of the teachers came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given a good answer. He asked him of all the commandments, which is the most important one, the most important one. And, and I was just kind of thinking this week as I was reading through this text, you know, what is this guy's motivation in coming to Jesus? If you were this last week, a guy very similar to him, this PhD in theology, this brilliant man who had studied the scripture and had it memorized and mastered, he came to Jesus. And if you were to go back and read the rest of Mark chapter 12, you'd notice that just one person, one person after the other just kept coming to Jesus to test him. Trying to trap him, trying to keep him in a lie, trying to catch him in a lie, trying to expose him for the fraud that they want him to be. And I look at this guy and I go, why in the world does he come to Jesus? Is he trying to test him? Is he trying to trap him? And Mark doesn't tell us. He doesn't tell us this guy's motivation. Here's what I noticed this week, though, and I think this is so beautiful, that, that when this guy had the courage to come to Jesus with his questions, Jesus didn't push him away. He didn't overlook him. He didn't tell him that his question was stupid. And I just kept thinking, man, this is the heart of God, like, that as we have questions about God, we have questions like this is the safest place in the world to be. Like, that you don't have to come here and like have all the answers. That this is a place for people who are looking for, for answers. This is, a people with quest- this is a place for people with questions. I love that Jesus answers this complex question so quickly. You know, think about the question that this guy comes to Jesus and he just lays it on him. Hey, what is the most important commandment? I was talking to one of my interns this week as we were just kind of sitting down and, and looking through this text. And I just kind of looked at her and I said, hey, how would you answer that question? Someone came up to you and said, what's the most important commandment in the Bible? How would you answer? And she just kind of looked up and thought for a second. And she's like, I don't know. And I said, ask me that question. She said, okay, Brandon, what's the most important commandment? And I was like, I don't know how to answer that. Like we've been given the answer here in Mark chapter 12, but have you ever wrestled with this question? Like you ever wrestled with the heart of this question? Like what does God want for you? Like Jonathan and Audrey, when you think about your lives, it's like, have you ever wrestled with what is, what is the plan that God has for me in this life? You guys ever had this moment where, where you tried to read the scriptures and you tried to make sense of what God was saying and you just felt so overwhelmed, like there was no consistency? 
I love that Jesus doesn't dodge this man's question. He doesn't give him some riddle. It's this amazing moment where the creator of the universe tells him, I invite you to pay attention to his words. Jesus looks at this guy and he says, if you want to understand what God desires for your life on planet earth, it's that you would be a person that loves God with the entirety of your heart, your soul, your mind and strength, and that you would love people just like you love yourself. Four kind of words, four kind of movements that I just kept seeing this week as we were working through this text. I want to give you these four words if you're a note taker. If not, by all means, don't take notes if you're not a note taker. But it might just kind of help us as we're working our way through this text. The first word is the path. Second word is the power. Third word is the prize. The fourth word is the price. The path, the power, the prize, the price. I want us to think about the, the path for a moment. Now, this is a really significant moment. I don't think just in this guy's life. I think it's a significant um, moment in, in our lives. You know, I think so often we, we show up here on Sunday mornings with really no expectations of God, wanting, of God going to speak into our lives, into our questions, into our reality. And I think for some of you this morning, God is, is trying to sit you down and to, to get your attention and look, at your, look you in the eyes and saying, this is a significant moment. God is giving us the goal for our lives, the, the purpose for which you and I were made. And I love that Jesus makes it so understandable, so digestible. I was thinking about soccer this week as I was trying to figure out how to explain this to you guys. And, you know, I like soccer. I think it's fine. But I sit down and watch it and I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand the rules. I don't understand, you know, much about how it goes on. But I do know this. The point of soccer is to take this little black and white ball and to kick in a net as many times as possible, right? Like, we're all aligned on that. You soccer gurus, is that true? Like, okay. Um, that's the gist. Like, if you want to understand soccer about taking the ball, kicking the net as many times as possible. Now I know that there are a lot of other things that go into soccer, right? Like playing defense and communications and knowing how to dribble and having a good coach and all these things matter. But if you wanna just sum up the game of soccer, you can describe it in that way. And I think Jesus is kind of having one of these moments with this guy who comes to Jesus with this question and he says, man, let me just make it so simple for you. What the God of the heavens wants for your life is that when you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night and all in between, that you spend the entirety of your day, you spend the entirety of your life loving God and loving people. This is a path that God has for each and every one of us. And here's what's interesting. This guy knew it. Let's keep reading in verse 32. This man looks at Jesus, the one who created the scriptures, the guy who spoke the scriptures into being. And this man looks at Jesus and he says, well said, teacher. You're right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. What Jesus said to this guy, it was very familiar words. I learned this um, the past week as I was studying that for every good Jewish girl and Jewish boy, verses 29, 30, and 31 were like the most recited, most memorized scripture in all the Bible for these people. So every good Jewish girl and boy would wake up and this would be the very first words out of their mouths. When they would lay their heads on their pillow at night, 
These would be the, the prayer, the last words that were uttered in their mouth every time that they would come together to worship. So you imagine this on Sunday morning, instead of Andrew and Adam saying, welcome, we would walk in here and we would say, hear, O Israel, the, the Lord our God, the Lord is the one. Love the Lord. Like this was imprinted on their minds. It was imprinted all over their houses. And so, you know, you might walk into somebody's house and they have a really pretty print that Jill designed for you that has your favorite Bible verse up on the wall. And, and, and this was a verse that was written all over their wall, all over their houses. You know, some of you guys are pretty cool and you got tattoos on your arms of Bible verses. It's like this was the verse that you tattoo on your body. And here's what, what hit me this week is to be knowledgeable of the path that God has us on is an absolute gift. But knowledge in and of itself is not enough. Like for us to be here this morning and, and to know what it is that God wants for us, to know the path that he has laid out for us is an amazing gift, but it's not enough. Here's how we know this. Look in verse 34. Jesus looks at this guy and he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And what does that imply? That he's not there yet, right? Simply having knowledge, simply having answers is not enough. Let's take this outside of like the spiritual realm for a minute. You think about in college. Some of you guys are in college right now. Others of you went to college. Isn't it true that it's not enough to just know which classes you have to take to graduate? So you sit down as this ambitious freshman and you're meeting with, um, with your advisor and they go, hey, this is a class you need to take your, your fall semester freshman year. And these are the classes you need to take spring semester freshman year. And they just kind of lay it out for you. Isn't it true that if you never register, if you never show up to class, if you never study, if you never take a final, you will not graduate. For some of you, you're like, oh man, I gotta get going. It's like, yeah, there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> Having knowledge having the answers is not enough. And all of us understand that, that truth, right? That there must be a stepping in, there must be a process where we act on that which we know. Let's pull it back into the text here. There is something else that God has for us other than just having the spiritual answers to all the spiritual questions. Like if we want to be people who are really alive in the kingdom of God, if we don't just want to play this game and show up on Sundays, if, if you and I are seriously interested in following Jesus, becoming like Jesus, living like Jesus in this world, we have to take what we know and act on it, put it into practice. And this is a path that God has for us. That what God desires for our lives is that we be people who love God and love people as much as we love ourselves. Like, you want to define your life? That's it. A life well lived in the eyes of God is a person who is ruthlessly committed to day in, day out, loving God. Loving people like you love yourself. I want to spend the rest of our time together really digging into what it looks like to act on that which we know. We're going to spend basically all of our time looking at verses 30 and 31. This is kind of the second movement in the text, the, the power you know, there is, there is power in seeing someone who, who really does wear this, who's like committed to living this out. You know, the greatest example is Jesus, our King. I've been so blessed by this study through the book of Mark. I've loved just kind of seeing the humanity of Jesus, seeing like what it was like for him to really be a human, to have the human experience and to walk with God and to love people. 
You know, you look at Jesus' life and his life was, was marked by this relationship with the Father. That there was this devotion, there was this obedience, there was this welcoming of God's will into his life. And I go, there was just this friendship, this interaction with God the Father that Jesus shared that every single one of us longed for. Whether you know it or not, you were made to have this kind of relationship with the Father. There's a lot of places that I could point us to talking about the, the unbelievable love that Jesus had for his Father, but I was reading Luke chapter six on Friday and I thought, this is perfect. Luke chapter six, verse 12, it says that Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray one of these days, and listen to this, and he spent the night praying to God. I'm like, when is the last time that I stayed up all night because I was so locked into the Father? It's like, when's that last time that I you know, got in bed at 10 o'clock and I started my prayers and you know, usually the way that happens is about 26 seconds in, I'm asleep, right? And when's the last time I started praying and because I was so just enjoying the presence of God that it kept me up all night. You know, the, the thing that we see in Luke chapter six about the love that Jesus has for the father is the type of love that a dude has for his girlfriend, right? When you're early on in dating. Like I remember when Courtney and I first started dating and, you know, home for, for the summer, she was back home and I was in a different place and we'd stay up late in the night just talking on the phone. It's like this eagerness to, to be with them, to hear from them. And you can go through the, the scriptures and you'll just notice over and over again, oh man, look how much Jesus loves his father. It wasn't that just this relationship that, that Jesus had with the father, his life was just marked by this unbelievable love for people. I wish I could just spend all morning just kind of talking through, pointing us through different stories. A lot of these we've already talked about. I think about Mark chapter one though, where, where Jesus, after a long day of work, he goes home and it says, after sunset, the entire town goes to his house. You think about what your home is, you think about your apartment or your dorm room, and like our homes are these places of relaxation and rest, right, recuperation. Can you imagine working a long day coming home and the entire Woodbine neighborhood coming over to your house? Like all of 12 South coming to your house? And it says that Jesus welcomed the people into the house, listened to them, healed them. And I see that and I go, man, there's something about the life of Jesus that is, is so different than the life of Brandon Steele. There's something about the life of Jesus that he reveals to us in scriptures that is so beautiful, that is so attractive, that is something that I want. I love that Jesus allows us to see this in each other. Have you ever seen someone who, who loves people just like they love themselves? I'm sure you guys have tons of examples and analogies. I'll just share one in my life. Court and I have these family friends. Their names are Don and Deb. And it's like in every situation, they, they look at themselves and they say, hey, how would I want someone to treat me if I were going through this? And then they go and they do it for somebody else. Aaron knows what I'm talking about. Jones, our little boy, little one-year-old, had tubes put in. Here's ears on Tuesday morning. And um, they show up to our house at like, what time was it? Eight o'clock, 8.30 on Tuesday night with a bag full of cut up watermelon because they know that's Jones's favorite food. And, 
with a bunch of chocolates for Finley. We're like, man, have you forgotten that kids don't eat chocolate at night? Like, what are you doing here? Like, with this huge mason jar of chicken noodle soup because they knew that it'd probably been a long day for me in court. And, and I just go, man, when you see people who, who love other people like themselves, you go, man, there's something beautiful about that. There's something about that life that I want. Or I think about, have you ever seen someone whose, whose life was just marked by a different kind of love for God? Think about my buddy Brad. He no longer lives here. He lives in Memphis now. But I remember a couple years ago, we were standing out on the porch at the cannery. And he just looked at me. And I'll never forget these words. Maybe I will if I get old, but I, don't think, I won't in a long time, hopefully. He looked at me and he said, Brandon, wherever God leads me, whatever God tells me to do, I'm gonna do it. And I went, wow, like, I'm just not there yet. Like, that there's something about his love for God. There's power in seeing people wear this. I think about Philippians chapter three, and this is one of the most encouraging um, Bible verses in, in all the scriptures where Paul looks at this group of Christians and he writes this in a letter and he says, I want to know Christ. He said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to participate in his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And I read that and I go, there's something about this guy's life that he was so locked in on the father. That he knew Jesus Christ. That, that his, his life's goal, the path that he knew God had for him. The thing that, that he wanted more than anything was to know God. And so often I read passages of scripture like that and I just feel so like condemned. I'm like, that's not where I am. That's not where I'm not, I've not arrived here. And I love what, how he continues. This is what Paul says. He says, not that I've already obtained all this. He says, I haven't arrived at my goal yet. He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But this one thing that I do, I forget what is behind and I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Jesus Christ has called me heavenward. I love this about Jesus that all throughout scripture, man, he just reveals himself. You see a different kind of love in the life of Jesus. You, you look around us and we see different types of love in people all around us. And there's power in seeing people who are actually living this path. Third kind of movement I want us to think about this morning is the prize. And this is twofold. First part of the prize is this, that loving God, loving people is the most fulfilling, most satisfying thing that you'll ever do in life. I didn't say that it's easy. I didn't say it's always going to be fun. It's not always going to be rewarding, but it is the most satisfying. If you want to live a satisfying life, spend the entirety of your life walking down this path. Of all the things that God could have told us to do, the way that he has told us and wanted us to live our lives, to love him, to love people, he could have told us to do anything. Do you realize that? Like Jordan, God could have told you, Jordan, what I want for your life is for you to spend 22 hours a day in the scripture. It's like, wow, okay. He, he could have looked at us and said, you know, Caroline, what I want for your life, I want you to spend 23 hours of your day laying on your face in meditation. It's like, of all the things that God could have told us to do. He says, Drew, I want you to spend the entirety of your life loving God, loving people. And there's a joy that comes in this. 
there's a joy that comes from, from really loving God, from being locked into God. You ever, you ever had a moment, maybe it's in worship, maybe it's when you're hiking your favorite trail, maybe it's when you're out in Colorado, it's like where you just see God and your heart just comes alive for him. You ever had one of those moments? Like We're made to love God, we're, we're made to love people. It's like you think about those moments in your life where, where you've really sacrificed, where you've given of yourself for the pure good of somebody else. I go, our, our God is so amazing. And part of the prize is that he lets us use and invest our lives in things that satisfy us most deeply. The second part of the prize, and this is just unbelievable, is that, that Christ is in us. Christ is in us. Colossians chapter one, verse 27 says that, that God has chosen to make known to us the glorious riches of this mystery. Here's the mystery. Jesus Christ lives inside of you. Riley, Christ lives in you. Carter and Lindsay and Rachel and Paul, Christ lives in you. Danielle, Christ lives in you. Jesse, Christ lives in you. Like I look around the room, if you are in Christ, then Jesus Christ, he lives in you, Rachel. He lives in you, Callie. Which means that he's always with us. Jesus Christ, the one who loved God and loved people perfectly, who lived this, who accomplished it, he is with us always to help us. I was thinking about my, my earthly father. When I was in first grade, I was in Boy Scouts. And that was the only year I was in Boy Scouts. I was so bad at it, they kicked me out, so I couldn't do it in second grade. But I remember they would give us all these projects to do, you know. Hey, I want you to go camping. I want you to, to build this box car. I want you to do all these things. And I remember just being overwhelmed because it was all completely uncharted territory for me. I didn't know how to do any of the things that they told me to do. But my dad did. He had done all those things before. And he was with me to help me. You know, I think about what we get as Christians, as followers of Jesus. Christ in us to help us do this. To help us live our entire lives down this path. Experiencing this power. Claiming this prize. The fourth kind of movement in this text is the price. I love that Jesus looks at this man and he says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. He's implying that he's not in yet, but he's also pretty dang close. You know, the kingdom of God, stepping into this life is not about us doing enough to make God pleased with us. Life in the kingdom of God is not just about us trying and struggling and proving and striving like the kingdom of God is this great reality that, that God has taken the first step, that God has extended the hand, that, that he has come and invited us in. On Wednesday morning, <clears throat> I woke up early to spend some time with God. About five minutes after I got up, um, Jones woke up and just totally disrupted my plans, just full of the enemy, just woke me up. And, um, and I was holding him, just kind of sitting out in the same place I always sit in the mornings. 
And he was laying back in my arms and he was holding this little lion and he was um, just looking up at me. And I wish I could take what I was feeling in my heart and put it in your heart so you could feel it. I was just looking down at my little man and there was just this wave of love and joy and delight in him. There was so much satisfaction in just holding him and knowing that he wanted to be held by me. Jones can't talk really. I mean, he can say daddy and a few things. Um, He can't tell me what he's feeling, but he shows me. So he runs to the door when I get home. Every time when I leave in the morning to go to work, he goes to the window and he waves at me. He loves to run to me and to fall in my arms and to make me laugh. And, and Jones loves me. And I don't have any like scientific proof on this. I only have my experience to speak of. But, but he loves me. And I don't know if we're, we're just naturally wired to have love for our parents or what, but... But what I do know is that for the past 14 months, I have shown him over and over and over again that I love him, that I delight in him. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons, maybe the reason he loves me is because he knows how much his daddy loves him. He knows how much his father delights in him. I don't know where you come in this place this morning, but you need to know that God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they love you so much. And they have proven that they want you in the kingdom of God. They have proven that they want you to be a child of God. I love Romans chapter five where Paul says this, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While you and I were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we had all the answers, not when we had it figured out, not when we had straightened our lives up, when you and I were as far from God as we've ever been in our lives. Christ Jesus died for us. Which means that the price has been paid. That every sin you've ever committed was, was put on Jesus Christ, our King on the cross. Because of Jesus, though your sins are many, because of Jesus, you can be forgiven of every single one. An entrance into this life living on this path with this power, claiming this prize is only possible because the price has been paid. A couple years ago, Court and I went to the Wilson County Fair and you just see Wilson County's best and brightest at the fair. And um, it was just this really cool moment that her parents went ahead of us. Like we got out of the car, they went on and they bought our tickets. And they were standing there kind of at the booth right where you go into the fair holding the tickets and wanting to give them to us. Waiting just to give them to us. But we had to take it. We had to act. We had to receive it. This is where I want us to end this morning. If you're in this room this morning and and you don't follow Jesus, that you would step in. The heart of God, his desire is that you would just step into this. The heart of this church, those of us in this room who love and follow Jesus, the heart is that you would follow him. That you would embrace this new path for your life. 
that you would wake up in the morning and you would discover the power that comes from, from loving God and loving people, the joy that comes in that. That you would claim this prize of Christ in you to help you. That you'd spend the rest of your life understanding that the great price has been, great price has been paid so that you can enter. It's like God's standing there like waiting to give it to you, like waiting for you to enter, waiting. He's inviting you, just take it. And here in just a minute, Adam and Cal are gonna get back up and they're gonna lead us in some more worship. We're gonna take communion. And I just invite you, if you don't follow Jesus and you're interested or if you wanna follow Jesus, if you want to, to receive this, you wanna step in this life, if you want to be his, his, his man, his woman, there are gonna be some men and women at the back the respond band and we'd love to, to help you however we can. If you're scared to go back there by yourself, grab a friend, grab the person sitting next to you and go back there. No one's gonna think anything of you. This is the safest place in the world. And the, one of the reasons that we are here is so that you can discover the goodness of who God is. For those of you who follow Jesus, I just wanna say this, that we would not grow weary in the path that God has given to us. Right, isn't it true that we just so often forget we get distracted. In the midst of living, we lose sense of our purpose. We lose sense of the end that is in sight. Like life and the enemy and work and people and sin, they just have this way of getting in our way. And Jesus will continue to bring us back to these moments where he just says, take the ball and put it in the net. Your job, the purpose of your life, love God and love people. And here's the reality is that we're going to fail. And this is impossible for us to do. Like every single one of us, um, we come in this place and every single one of us, we fail at doing this. This is so unlike any of the other commandments. Like God will tell us not to steal. And hopefully the majority of us come in this place and we go, yeah, we're obeying that. We're, we're keeping that. But the reality is when we come to Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, none of us are living under the fullness of this reality yet. And so the Holy Spirit of God, as followers of Jesus, will continue to convict us. He'll continue to show us the ways that, that we're missing it. You know, I hate conviction because I want to be perfect and I'm not yet. You know, our check engine light came on in our car this past week, and I hate that stupid light. <laughs> but the reality is, it's for my good. It's an indicator. Hey, something's going off. Take care of it. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit of God will continue to remind us. It's like, Kelly, you're going to be at work tomorrow, and you're going to know this. And, and you're gonna try really hard to do it and you're gonna have a moment where like, you realize that you didn't love God. Like, you, you, just, you, you didn't love God that morning. Ryan, you're gonna wake up and you realize, man, I haven't been loving people this week. And it's the gentle reminder of the Holy Spirit of God who loves us, who desires for us to live this satisfying and joyful life. And so what do we do as a people of God when we fail, when we forget? The same words that Jesus gave to us when he started his ministry. The time has come, the kingdom is near, repent and believe. As the people of God, we're not marked yet by perfection. We are marked by repentance. We are marked by our belief that Jesus Christ has done all the work for us, that we can step into this life. And if you're not, if you are a follower of Jesus, I invite you as you take communion today, as you go throughout your week to ask God to do two things. God, would you help me to love you? And would you give me opportunities to love people this week? Would you help me to love you? Would you give me opportunities to love people this week? And then may you have the courage to step through those doors when he opens them. Let's pray.